This episode is brought to you by Dietz and Watson. Uh, Molly, it's time we have the talk about hot dogs. Oh, oh, okay. Well, hey, (laughs) I'm looking for a hot dog that's the real deal, Matthew. Like a classic hot dog that like when you think of like the platonic ideal of a hot dog, Mm -hmm. I recommend Dietz and Watson's Dietz Dogs. Ah, well, I've heard that they're handcrafted and made using only Dietz and Watson premium meat. I can vouch for this because Dietz and Watson sent us a big box of hot dogs and other delights. And wife of the show, Lori, and I had them for dinner last night. We had uh, the classic beef Dietz dogs with uh, toasted buns with sauerkraut and pickled jalapenos and Dietz and Watson ballpark style yellow mustard. Do you think you'd recommend Dietz and Watson hot dogs for fried rice? Oh, yeah. Fried rice with some sliced hot dogs. I'm going to be doing that soon. Wife of the show, Lori, is going to be making the hot dog flour buns from Christina Cho's cookbook, Mooncakes and Milk Bread. Very excited for this. Mm, And I'm especially pleased because Dietz and Watson does things the right way. So this means like no additives, no fillers, no artificial flavors, no cutting corners. You can feel good about this stuff. Dietz and Watson. It's a family thing since 1939. Shop now at Dietz slash the right way. That's Dietz, D-I-E-T-Z, and Watson.com slash the right way. I'm Matthew. And I'm Molly. And this is Spilled Milk, the show where we cook something delicious, eat it all, and you can't have any. Today, I'm so glad you have allowed me to say today's topic. Yeah. It is beef bourguignon. Or is it boeuf à la bourguignonne? Oh, nicely done. Mm. Nicely done with the yun. 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 That, that's, that's, they, they call me yun, yun boeuf is my, <laughs> is my rap name. <laughs> oh, jeez. Okay, great. Today we're talking about beef bourguignon or beef, uh, beef burgundy. Beef burgundy, also, there we go. also an okay. option. Okay. Uh, and this, this episode started out as an idea for an episode on French stews in general. And then we were like, that sounds like a lot of work. Yeah, we were like, you know, winter is a long, cold season that, that lends itself to making lots of different slow-cooked stews. But really, let's just cut right to the chase and go with, I think, sort of the, the grandmother mm-hmm. of yeah, beef I stews. When you said winter is a long, cold season, it reminded me of the Cinderella album and song Long Cold Winter. Do you, oh. do you remember Cinderella at all? Remember, hair metal band yes. from like the mid 80s. Yes. God, where did hair metal go? I mean, what, it, what did all those guys do with their hair? That I mean, hopefully they donated it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I think I feel like of all those bands like you know like Bon Jovi is still very popular Mm -hmm. like and there's you know kind of semi-ironic appreciation of like you know every rose has its thorn like a lot of Motley Crue songs and stuff I feel like Cinderella is kind of forgotten and that album was really good well like the same thing with like Poison remember Brett Michaels yeah yeah Uh, who else was in that uh, warrant warrant uh, cherry pie yeah yeah they did cherry pie and then there was like hair metal light like Tesla Mr. Uh-huh. Big <laughs> yep yep I know yep <laughs> absolutely yeah who else there's gotta be um, more well I can I can think of more like not like not on the lighter side like Dawkin um, oh I don't remember a rat that. oh, so, oh I mean, rats. we haven't even mentioned Skid Row right oh, no I was trying to avoid it because I because you always mention Skid Row. <laughs> but I mean, that's because that's Skid Row was great. It was so good. <laughs> also, I just feel like we don't, we don't recognize it as such. But I think that at least in terms of hairstyles, <laughs> yeah. Jerry Cantrell uh-huh. of Alice in Chains was a really important bridge between hair metal and like all that came next. Okay. Was, was his, did he moose? 
Because no, I, I feel he like didn't moose. okay, because I feel like like you know that that when in, when we transitioned from like hair metal to grunge, like it, the hair think, length stayed the same, but but, but it was the product. Like the, the pro- <laughs> it was less product. I overall, feel like it was almost like no product. No product. Like no maybe, yeah. no bathing. No, <laughs> yeah. No moose. That's that's called being being genuine and authentic. Yeah. Yeah. I, well. Yeah. It's weird that that like two two twenty seven year olds like us would start the show by <laughs> by talking about this kind of thing. <laughs> Uh, okay is there anything else we want to mention that's uh Uh, from current culture oh oh yeah from uh stuff from from uh very recent years no i think i'm good okay me too uh why don't we go down memory i mean that was that memory lane (laughs) (laughs) well you know so wait so wait were you did we start because you were saying that one of these bands was like the beef bourguignon of of (laughs) of hair metal of rock I said that beef bourguignon was like the the grandmother of Fran- uh, right grandmother oh. of beef stew. Oh right, you said long cold winter, and I said Cinderella. There we go. Right. You know, then it also makes me think of cruel summer, and so yes. then we could go like a whole other direction. So Leaving like Bengals, Bengals, yeah. adjacent bands. That's not as fun. Wait, was was cruel summer Bengals? Or was it Bananarama? That sounds right. Bananarama. I think it was Bananarama. God, do you remember Venus? I'm your Venus. Of I'm your course, fire. Yeah. Your desire. Very good song. Do 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 do. Okay, so what about uh, what about our beef bourguignon memory lane? Okay, so when I was working for Sir Latab briefly in the early 2000s, maybe around the year 2000, a coworker <laughs> was talking about making beef bourguignon and how and how like it was a very involved recipe, but then it was like so worth it when it was done. I was like, I've heard of this dish like as like an example of a fancy dish, but I've never had it, and I want to try making it too. So I uh, I ended up making the Cook's Illustrated recipe. Uh, it was a big project. It was, uh, I think, the, definitely the first time I made a bouquet garni. It came out great, and I've made it maybe like three or four times since. Awesome. You know, I really don't think I had beef bourguignon, truly, <laughs> until a few years ago. Okay. My mother made it because, so I don't know if you're familiar with this thing that happens usually just before Christmas in Seattle. It's called the Christmas Ships. <laughs> Ah, uh, that sounds vaguely familiar. So the company Argosy Cruises, they basically do this thing where they load up a boat <laughs> with <laughs> singers. Oh, okay. And not can, not with like booty. Not with booty. They load it up with guys with patches over their eyes and big chests of gold. Okay. <laughs> like, like big like barrel chests of gold. <laughs> That's Anyway, no, I think that some people like pay to ride the Christmas ships. But basically, the deal is if you live anywhere near any body of water in Seattle, which there are many bodies of water and many different neighborhoods, even like a duck pond. uh, No, no. And many different neighborhoods that, that uh, you know. It's a wet city. It's a wet city. Basically, at some point during the pre-Christmas season, the Argosy Cruises will be coming by your waterfront area with a ship full of singers. And it is kind of delightful. Okay. Because I, I remember when we first moved to the house we live in, which is uh, about a quarter mile from the sound. Right. And I'm the, the sound of, of people Puget singing sound. on a boat. <laughs> That's right. Anyway, but I remember sitting at the dining room table one night. I was home alone. Brandon was working at the restaurant. And all of a sudden, <laughs> sounds I, like the beginning of like a scary story. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I started hearing like Christmas carols, mm-hmm. but it was from like far off. Oh, so your house is haunted and by so, like <laughs> a child who died on Christmas. <laughs> so. 
But the thing is that, you know, the sound like just carries up the hillside. Anyway, so from like a quarter, a third of a mile away, I could hear the Christmas ship and these singers singing. And it was so magical. I loved it so much. <laughs> okay. But anyway, so when my mother moved to Seattle in 2015, I remember being very excited to be like, Mom, you are going to find this magical. Let's figure out what night the Christmas ships are going to be nearby and we can hear them. So my mom made beef bourguignon from oh, Ina yeah. Garten's recipe. I'm sure that's good. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's so good with pearl onions. Oh, Uses yeah. Pearl onions. You know what? There were some pearl onions in the pot. Like I, I had like eight pearl Why onions. Why didn't you get me a pearl onion? I, I, you know, I thought about it and I decided you just didn't deserve one. <laughs> ah! Pearl onions. Oh, my God. It's so, so, so good. And at least for a couple years there, when we managed to actually look at the calendar for the Christmas ships mm -hmm. and plan ahead, it was so delightful to go to my mom's, have beef bourguignon, yes. and then, like, you know, stand by the window and listen to the Christmas ships. Wow. And they and they probably sang, like, all of all of your favorite carols, like, um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the 18 in life, <laughs> um, uh, I'll be there for you. Yes. Uh, um, uh, <laughs> um. <laughs> Dr. Feelgood. Dr. <laughs> 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 you know, my friend Keith and I, when I first moved to Seattle, I worked at the front desk of a Pilates studio. And my friend Keaton, I think, was a paralegal at the time. And anyway, through a customer at the Pilates studio, I joined like a recreational bowling league. <laughs> that's you know awesome. No, me? that's great. I know. I'm anyway, yeah. it was super fun. It was through Underdog Sports, okay. which is a, like an amateur sports league in Seattle. Really great. Did you ever bowl a perfect game? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Keaton joined with me. And so for like a whole season, like once a week, we would go bowling and we were put on a team with like a couple of guys we didn't know. Mm -hmm. But anyway, we decided that our names were going to be from like old hair metal stuff. Okay. So let's anyway, hear it. so my name was always Tawny Katane. Oh yes. And uh, Keaton was always Doctor Feelgood. <laughs> <laughs> so good. And I can't remember who the guys were because they really didn't matter. Janie Lane, uh, Nikki Six. Probably. Uh, yeah. 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 Uh, I can't believe we forgot White Snake. White. Oh, of course. God. I don't, I don't know where I'm going, but I sure know where I've been. Yes. Hanging on the Promises and the Songs of Yesterday. Yeah, that's a really good song. <laughs> Such a good song. <laughs> oh, you know, you know what song? When I was in like middle school, if there was like a school dance and they played Girls, Girls, Girls by Motley yes. Crue, like we all thought, this is so cool. This is probably the coolest song ever. <laughs> like, well, it is there any was. dorkier song? <laughs> what about, uh, <laughs> let's see, hold up, Van Halen. Yes, of course. But I feel like Van Halen, Motley Crue, these were like a different, this was like less metal. I don't I, know. I think Van Halen, Motley like, Crue were like like classic 80s metal. Do you like, think, I mean, metal, metal. metal encompasses a lot of different things. It's true. I mean, like it was never like, was speed metal a thing? Speed metal was a thing. Of like, course, death metal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like like none of, none of these bands were like, you know, serious. Like, you know, if you were like a heavy metal kid, like you weren't into Poison, you were into like Metallica, Megadeth, Anthrax, that kind of thing. Oh, God, I forgot about Anthrax. Uh-huh. Anthrax had that one funny song that everyone liked. What was that one? Uh, I'm the man. I don't remember that. Taylor Swift has the man. Okay. 
Still doesn't make me like Taylor Swift. Oh, boy. Here God, we I'm go. sorry. Oh, here we God. go. Okay. We're, we're going to get letters. We're oh, going to get handwritten God. letters. Okay. But anyway, uh, yeah. So my mother's beef bourguignon, I really think, other than your beef bourguignon, is maybe the only one I've had. Okay. And my mom had more pearl onions, which yeah, I appreciate. I, so, so yeah, I, I have some frozen pearl onions. I'm going to supplement. Like, I, I put in, like, fresh pearl onions that I peeled myself, but oh, I only had sounds, eight of them. That sounds terrible. I mean, it was, it was a, uh, some, there was appealing. It was not appealing. <laughs> <laughs> there was appealing. <laughs> oh, it sounds like some sort of dermatologic procedure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, there, there was I, I gave them a chemical peel. Um, okay, and so the reason we had beef bourguignon this morning um, was partly because my friend Molly was coming yeah, over, but we also had it because at literally nine fifty a.m. Yes, but also it's bistro night here, as heard on uh, the bistro night episode, which was episode five fifty three or something, five fifty six. And so it is uh, teenager of the show December's birthday. It is their last birthday as teenager of the show <laughs> their December. <last> <laughs> it's their last birthday, and then they're going to turn into a ghost and haunt you with Christmas carols. <laughs> Hold on. Wait, we decided, didn't we decide what teenager of the show December is going to become when they're no longer a teenager? We did, and I completely, totally forgot. Do you remember? Adult child of the show. ACOTS. ACOTS D? ACOTS D. That's good. ACOTS D sounds like a cool robot from a Star Wars. It does. It does. Okay. Well, let's talk about what beef bourguignon is, because I think that beef bourguignon is one of those things where, like, probably anybody who's done any cooking at all or ever been interested in food has heard the phrase beef bourguignon. But I think few of us actually stop to think about what the heck it is. Yeah, it sounds like an old school thing that you would get at a restaurant that also serves bananas foster or another flaming dessert. That's exactly right. right. Okay, so as we know, it's also called bouffe à la bourguignon or beef burgundy, and it's a French beef stew made with lots of red wine. Mm-hmm. And the thing that makes it beef bourguignon is the garnish of pearl onions, mushrooms, and bacon or salt pork lardon. And yes. uh, it's a garnish because you don't throw those things in at the beginning of the stew because they would overcook, especially the onions. You cook them in a pan near the end of cooking and then toss them into the stew. Okay. So, so and- just when you think you're done, you have this whole other cooking project. This is why this is why this, I've never This is made what it. I did most of the day yesterday. Okay. Well, that sounds satisfying in it a was, way. It was. Yes. So, okay, I would think that this would be a dish that is typical of Burgundy, like the region. And apparently it is not. So, oh. it's, you know, not that you can't get it there, but it's not like an old school traditional Burgundian dish. The Bourguignon in the name probably refers to either the wine or the garnish. Why would and it refer to the garnish? Um that's a good question. Uh, I think there are other dishes like like a la bourguignon that have that have bacon and onions or onions and mushrooms or something like that. Okay. You know, in the in a way that like I, I can't think of another example. Maybe we'll come up with one, but uh, that that there are like, like quiche, quiche Lorraine, which uh, would imply what like leeks and ham. Yeah, or that it was just made by Lorraine. <laughs> um, like like something something Lyonnais or or like a la Lyonnaise like has onions, right? What? It does. Isn't that true? I don't know. Like, I think so. Really? Like there are like geographic <laughs> names in French cuisine that imply like a specific ingredients rather than the, that the dish is from that place. Okay. That's the only example I came up with. Okay. 
I mean, I know that there are ingredients typical of different regions. Yeah. So, and there's a very similar dish to Coco Vam, but with beef instead of chicken. And there are lamb versions also, which sounds very tasty to me. That does sound nice. Yeah. And the first reference to the dish is from an 1867 cookbook, but it didn't really become a popular bistro dish until the 20th century, especially after Escoffier published a recipe in his like big, big ass Escoffier book in 1903. <laughs> Did you know? I'm having a human body is terrible. I needed to clear my throat. So I, it went the wrong way. I produced a lot of internal pressure. <laughs> This is going to be our best outtake. This is is already our best episode. Now I'm scared to cough. (laughs) Okay, wow. (laughs) I can't believe, I cannot believe it's taken literally 13 years of this show for one of us to fuck it on air. (laughs) I'm not sure if that's true. Okay, great. Well. All right. Okay. Oh, oh, Molly's taking <laughs> taking off the the chunky Christmas sweater. Ooh, okay, here we go. All right. So uh, yeah, Escoffier's oh. <laughs> big ass Escoffier book came out in 1903 and popularized a bunch of dishes. Um, okay. And it's also this is also <laughs> similar to another excellent French stew called Daube Provençal, which is also made with red wine and beef, but also but with tomatoes, sometimes orange peel <laughs> and herbe de Provence. <laughs> Is it, is this episode over? Are we, are we not going to be able to get the trade back on the track? That's okay. Uh, okay, hold on. We can on. just talk about Cinderella. No, no, more. no. Let's just talk about how to make beef porky. <laughs> this is supposed to be a professional show for serious food people who like French food if and other we did fancy that, things. We would edit it harder. Oh, oh, we edit it hard. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Like producer Abby is known in the podcasting world as as an extreme editor. Yeah. Okay. All right. So Matthew, did you make that Cook's Illustrated recipe today? Uh, no, I did not. I made a simpler recipe from Serious Eats um, okay. and uh, ran into a little bit of trouble, which I'd like to talk about just in case this cautionary tale can help out a listener. But it did come out tasty. It's uh, so it's Daniel Gritzer's recipe from Serious Eats. The idea is you uh, and I mean, how do you make? beef, pork, and yon in general, you get a chuck roast. Uh, you cut it up into chunks or slabs and brown them. If you brown them in slab form, which I did for this, then you cut them up into chunks, which worked really well. Like Why it, did you brown them in slab form? It's just easier to brown slabs oh, than, you can it, than chunks. So you can just flip them like steaks. Oh, that's smart. Yes. That's smart. Um, you braise with flour for thickness, uh, red wine, vegetables, <clears throat> and a bouquet garni, uh, which is herbs tied up with string. Um, like a couple a couple years ago for tamale making, um, we got like the big ball of kitchen twine, which oh. has b- been very satisfying. I have, to have one of those on too. Yeah. It's pretty great. So you have to remove the vegetables then, right? Yeah. So, so, so like some carrots and onions go in like in big pieces and then those are just for flavor and you remove those and then you make a garnish uh this one was glazed carrots pearl onions mushrooms and lardons of salt pork and you add that to the stew and then you just cook just until the onions and carrots are tender okay and then you you skim the fat you garnish with parsley and you serve delightful today here's the issue that i ran into and this is this is a thing that i've noticed before and and i want to kind of like call out as maybe this is a thing to be wary of Mm. okay are you ready for for one of my uh trademark fire Fiery rants. Yeah. 
Uh, okay. So the serious eats recipe has you add fish sauce and soy sauce for umami. Okay. And, okay. Like I am not in any way opposed to that. I think uh, you know it doesn't it doesn't add any like flavors that you don't want in the stew. Like you know it just adds an umami roundness. But those things have a lot of salt in them. And so I got what I ended up with was I wanted to reduce the stew. So to give like, you know, thicken it a little more and give it some more like red wine forwardness. But I couldn't because it was already too salty. And so I think the reason like, you know, I think if you asked like, you know, Daniel Gritz, he would say, you know, I'm using those things because they add like, you know, a variety of different like, you know, layers of umami flavor. But really, I think what you should do is just put in some MSG. Because or, I mean, I have to say, so... Or or not. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, Ina Garten, I guarantee, is not adding umami to hers. And it was more red wine forward. Yeah. And it was, in many ways, almost like a richer, beefier flavor. Yeah. So, like, normally, like, if, if, the, if it hadn't already been, like, you know, over-seasoned, I, I would have probably reduced this by a third. Okay. And it would have it gotten thicker and whinier. Okay. Um, so, so I think, like, I've seen other recipes, and especially other stew recipes, Serious Eats tends to do this a lot, where it says, like, you know, throw in, throw in some, uh, some fish sauce or soy sauce. You know, people will never know it's in there, but it's going to, like, add layers of umami that you didn't know existed and you just run can run into a situation where you the dish is over seasoned is there a umami source like an easy to add umami source that is not high in salt yeah msg what about bragg's liquid aminos I think that's pretty salty. Is it? I've never tasted it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So MSG. So why are we trying to avoid it? Because uh, of... I don't know. We did a whole episode. On, that's right. On this. We yeah. did. And also, of course, yes, you don't need to add like any additional umami source because it's got like beef and onions and stuff in it. Yeah. So uh, other than that, I like. I think. I think if I had like held back on those things and uh, reduced it more, I think this would have been in, uh, one of my favorites. And I think. I think I would make this recipe again because it is pretty simple and just not add the fish sauce and soy sauce and just rely on a little MSG and reduce the sauce. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's got so many sources of MSG. Yeah. yeah, you're browning the beef. You got the the cooked onions. Also mushrooms. Mushrooms. Yeah, of mushrooms. Course. Big time bacon. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, yeah. OK. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Planning an international trip and want to learn the language of your destination? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today. 
Matthew, this morning, in order to deal with the fact that you felt it was too salty, you put it over egg noodles. Yeah. Right? Which I have to say made it so that it tasted perfectly balanced. Yeah, I thought I thought that worked really well. So yeah, yeah. I think like buttered egg noodles is a great accompaniment. Boiled or mashed potatoes, mm-hmm. obviously. Mm-hmm. So, tonight I'm just gonna serve it with a big loaf of crusty bread, probably some Grand Central Como loaf. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um and salad. Mm-hmm. Not not like pour it on salad. I feel like what I would want is I would want to have, I think I would want the beef bourguignon maybe with some sort of potato. And then I think I would want a salad afterward to cut through the richness afterward. Yeah. I think we're going to serve the salad first, but you're right. Salad after sounds so good. But then I think, uh, then I would want bread and cheese and then I would want dessert. Like I would want to do the whole like, you know, Franco- the whole Franco. The whole Franco yeah. cooking James situation. Franco. Dave Franco. Um, <laughs> um, Franco-American SpaghettiOs. Yeah. Um, um, uh, Franco the Spanish dictator. That's right. I was going to say Franco dictator. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, first name, Franco. Yeah. Last name, dictator. Uh, <laughs> or dictator Franco. <laughs> it's, it's your new favorite toy. <laughs> um, did, I, did I tell you about a thing, a thing that happened at work involving uh, a gynecologist with a funny name? No. Okay. At work, someone started a thread like on the on the like, you know, discussion slack at work um, about uh, like, you know, people, people with like names, names that like, you know, fit their their jobs. Like, you know, like, you know, Bob Baker and he, and he owns a bakery. Like, you know, those kind of things. Uh-huh. Um, and my my friend Kelly, who I'm going <laughs> to call out here and like now now everyone's going to know it was her, even though everyone knows anyway, posted one and then immediately deleted it because she was like, I don't know if this is work appropriate. Um, what was and, it? But then shared it with, with some of her friends. And it was and this is this was real. I believe I don't remember. I think in Colorado, like she like posted the website, and everything, everything. A, a gynecologist named Dr. Harry Beavers. <laughs> So, so basically, like at least like once a month now, like this pops into my mind and I laugh. Like it's just it's so delightful. Oh God, that is great. Uh-huh. Oh. I can't remember if it was Beaver singular, singular or plural, but uh, so so I apologize, uh, Doctor, if I got your name wrong. But I, it was I, something like that. Oh, it's perfect. It was great. It's perfect. Uh, if you're listening, Doctor, please let us know. Please let um, us know. Yeah, contact at spilledmilkpodcast.com. So do you serve beef bourguignon uh, on any occasion other than bistro night? No, I think this is the first time I've made it in like 10 years. Do you think that there's like a, a way to make it that would be less time consuming? Like what makes it different from like beef stew? Okay, I'm glad you I'm glad you brought this up because it's time for another one of my trademark fiery rants. Now, Great. I was thinking like, remember when I made you that recipe book? Yes. Um, oh, I for, use it all the time. For your 40th birthday? I That's think? right. Did I put uh, the uh, like beef and Barolo recipe yes, in there? Yes, you did. That is simpler than beef, pork, and yawn. And I th- honestly, I think it's better. <laughs> and so, and, and that is relatively simple, such that it is something you ma- you have made often at yeah times. like what makes it so much oh it's that it's that you don't have to cut the beef up into chunks it's more of like a pot roast recipe okay and it's got it's got you know mirepoix and pancetta and a big chunk of beef and a bottle of any red wine and you cook it until the meat is is soft and then you reduce the sauce a little bit and you're done then you slice it serve it with some polenta god that sounds fantastic. Yeah, not I'm not knocking beef bourguignon, like I, but I kind of, kind of wish I'd made that <laughs> beef you, and Barolo. Do you feel like so? You know, it, it was Christmas not too long ago, mm-hmm. 
Oh yeah, I and, guess now when people are hearing this, like the the long what did you call it? Winter winter is a long the cold long, season. A long cold season. Yeah, the long cold season is proceeding apace. It's like it's now uh, February second. Yeah, but we're recording this on December thirtieth. Yeah, but still, I had one of those Christmases where I I felt very keenly the fact that I'm like the sandwich generation right now. Yeah, for sure. It was like it, it was a, it was a small crowd this year. It was just my mom, Ash, myself, and June. My mom was recovering from surgery and Ash is massively pregnant right now and has hyperemesis gravidarum, which means that they are like vomiting and or Mm -hmm. nauseous all day long. And so truly, I was the only adult in the house who was like fully capable of planning things and like running the show. Classic sandwich. And I tried to make it super easy on myself. And my mom was so helpful in like the you know the mom way like she bought Dungeness crabs like I went to the store and she paid me back and I had bought like some cured meats that I knew we all liked and I had some really nice cheeses and I had some grissini that I had bought and I made some roasted Brussels sprouts and we had some good bread and it sounds great it was a great dinner but I truly I mean, I I could have just like sat down on the floor on the floor and cried because I so desperately wanted somebody else to come along and like be in charge of making it feel special. Oh, sure. And I was Santa. Santa. (laughs) Anyway, I kept thinking about how when I was a kid at either Christmas Eve or Christmas dinner, there was always like the big roast that dad makes. You know what I mean? I mean, I know I know that as like a like a, you know. What's what's that old old Americana Norman, guy, Rockwell? Norman Rockwell image? I call him Norm. He hangs out at my bar, cheers a lot. But uh, <laughs> I we didn't have that when I was growing up. There wasn't okay. there wasn't like a big dad roast. There was for Thanksgiving. Oh, there was a dad roast for us at Christmas, and sometimes it was a brother roast <laughs> because <laughs> because my brother David actually uh, all of my brothers are very good cooks, but mm-hmm. my brother David went to the Culinary Institute and and knows his way around the kitchen. And either my brother David or my dad would be making some sort of giant roast. And it's not that I really actually like eating meat that way. I don't. I I found myself sitting there at the table going, Molly, would you even like it if somebody came along and presented you with sort of like a big old dad's roast kind of dinner? Well, you'd like the the thought. I would like the thought. But anyway, I was just in thinking about beef with Barolo and beef bourguignon. It occurs to me that, and maybe you and I are a bit atypical this way, but it has been so long since it has ever occurred to me to buy a large piece of meat for the purpose of like slicing it, like serving it sliced. Yeah, I, as I, opposed I do to slice the beef and beef and Barolo, and I did, I did but make it kind like of a falls supermarket apart, corn beef. Yeah, it totally does. I mean, I'm like, I think of the cuts that you and I are using as sort of some of the lesser cuts, right? Yeah. Like the fattier, tougher ones that you're going to braise or stew or whatever. Whereas I think of, and and maybe this is just like indicative of of the socioeconomic sphere I grew up in, but there was more like nicer meat that you would slice. Yeah. But like I feel a like leg it's of also, lamb. Did you ever have a leg yes, of lamb? Totally. Leg of lamb. Yep. Did you ever have a, a haunch of mutton? <laughs> <laughs> no, but my dad liked beef shanks. No, oh, sure, lamb, sure, sorry, sure. Sorry. Now lamb shanks. Lamb shanks are really good. Yeah. Yeah. There was always, or, or even like lamb chops or yeah. 
like a little rack of lamb chops. I would never cook that shit. I sometimes make lamb chops, but wife of the show, Lori, isn't a lamb fan. So sometimes I will like buy a rack of lamb uh, when Tots D and I are going to be having dinner at home and mm. cut it up into into chops and cook them. Mm. Very tasty. Yeah, I just don't. Maybe it, I don't know. But maybe anyway. maybe that's maybe that's like you know meat meat dad my my like you know latent meat dad tendencies coming to the fore. Yeah, yeah. It could also be like the part of the country I grew up in too. That's true. It was yeah. It was more like sort of cattle country. So I, yeah, I we just... would be more likely in the Northwest to get a leg of salmon. <laughs> we get a leg of salmon. Get your hot smoked salmon. Yeah. Oh my God. Hold on. Hold up. We can cut this part. But wow, Wild Salmon Seafood Market at Fisherman's Terminal in Seattle. What? I mean, I have been a patron of that place for a long time. I haven't been in ages. I literally go like once a year to buy Dungeness Crab. What a patron. I'm an amazingly (laughs) valuable patron. But anyway, oh my God, I went there on Christmas Eve morning and I got there when it opened and there was already a line Mm -hmm. that went all the way down the building. But it was so fast. Oh, good. And so efficient. And like it, it, like everyone was so cheerful, the staff and the customers. It was pure delight. <laughs> we, should, we should definitely cut out this part where you said something nice about a local business. Yeah. <laughs> we don't want to get that reputation. Well, it's just, it has nothing to do with beef bourguignon. But anyway. Let's, leave, let's leave in the thing where you dissed Taylor Swift, but cut, cut this part out. What about the part where I farted? <laughs> let's leave it all in. <laughs> Let's just put it all on the table. This episode has everything in it. Literally. It's surf and turf and farts. Yep. (laughs) Can we never say that again? (laughs) Okay, sorry. (laughs) Okay, Matthew, uh, do we have any any spilled mail? Uh, We do, and it's, it's remarkably topical. This happens sometimes, like, I put a call, we put a call out for, like, emails on a certain topic, and then they start to come in, like, after the episode airs, and I'm like, what did we say? Mm -hmm. So, I don't know what episode this was, but we were talking about named food nights, like Taco Tuesdays or Bistro Night, and so we asked if uh, listeners had named food nights, and we got a couple of reports. You want to hear them? I love how you just looked at me, and we got a couple. (laughs) Of reports. Go on. Okay. Yes. This okay. one's from listener Kayla. Go I see. Kayla says, I absolutely love your show and have been a long time listener. First time caller. Thank you, listener Kayla. I was just listening to your oat milk episode today. <laughs> of course, it was the oat milk episode. And in the listener Obviously. email segment, you talked about if anyone has a branded meal that their families have, like Taco Tuesday. I'm absolutely sure this is a silly one, but in my family, we do fancy grilled cheese night. I love that. So we do the basic equation of grilled cheese, tomato soup, and a salad, but as fancy as possible. I'll use nice bread, like sourdough or a country-style loaf, or occasionally make homemade bread, use very fancy cheese that melts nicely, like a gruyere, and if I have bacon around, I'll add that to the sandwiches. Mm -hmm. I use a ton of butter and grill them very slowly with the cheese shredded, so it's extremely cheesy and gooey and delicious. I think that's a really good tip, like shredded shredded cheese and cook them slowly. Love that. Yes. Kayla says... My family is obsessed with fancy grilled cheese night, and it feels like a win all around since everyone eats the meal. I have a six-year-old and a four-year-old, so this is not always a given. Nobody ever gets sick of it. I hope this finds you well and wishing you the best in the new year. Thank you, Kayla. Thank you, Kayla. That's lovely. I feel inspired. Yeah, I might have fancy grilled cheese night. That's great. Uh, This one comes from listener Susan, who writes, My daughters and I have a longstanding tradition of Tuesday being pea night. 
Tuesdays used to be the night our family had pizza every week. A few years after starting this tradition, my youngest had to remove dairy and gluten from her diet, and finding suitable pizza substitutes was hard. We decided that on Tuesdays we'd have pizza, and she'd have anything that started with P, her favorite choice being perfectly prepared eggs, and we'd call it pea night instead. Now she's able to have dairy again, and we've returned to all having pizza, but the name has stuck. Susan, listening from Fairview, Montana. I just like the name Pea night <laughs> I love Pea night What a delight. Oh, these are great. I feel like I got to get on this like named night. I wonder what thing. perfectly prepared eggs are. <sighs> Susan, Susan, if you're listening over there in Fairview, Montana, let us let us know what perfectly prepared eggs are. Uh, <laughs> Molly, what you snacking? Hey, what you snacking? You got to tell me what you're snacking. Or I'll release the Kraken. So what you snacking? What you snacking? Okay, this one is probably going to be pretty useless as a recommendation. I, I don't know. Like, getting this specific thing, yes, but, like, this category of thing, I think people can do. Okay, so I have a, a friend and student uh, named Leah Osborne, who's a wonderful writer. And Leah is Taiwanese-American and recently went to visit family in Taipei, came back with a whole bunch of goodies and gave me, like, a little care package. Okay. And uh, one of the things that she gave me was three little individually wrapped uh, Taiwanese pineapple cakes, mm-hmm. which are a really typical thing in Taiwan. Basically, I think of it as almost looking like a fruit Newton. Yes. Except it is like, you know how a fruit Newton has like, you know, it's like sliced at each end so you can see the filling. With a Taiwanese pineapple cake, there is like pastry that goes all the way around it, encasing this like kind of almost gummy pineapple mm-hmm. filling completely. Anyway, they're about the size of like a fig Newton. The dough is really like short and flaky. Yeah. The pineapple flavor is subtle but but pineapple-y and they are so delightful. I had never had them before. Leah brought me 3 of them from I wish I had I, I wish I could remember the name of the place. I brought the wrapper, but it it was a a bakery that I think her mother has gotten Taiwanese pineapple cakes at for years and they sell them in these beautiful like little paper wrappers. Yeah, it's a beautiful wrapper. Um, you asked if I could read it. I cannot. Okay. I mean, I, I know what some of the characters mean, but uh, I, I can't tell you how to how to read it. Anyway, but I, I venture to guess that at any store near you that has a good selection of Taiwanese foods, uh, you might be able to find pineapple cakes. Probably will be individually wrapped, mm-hmm. maybe in like a little you know glassine bag type thing. They're delightful. I really enjoyed um, cutting mine kind of into thin little slices. Ooh, yeah. And I had it with a cup of tea. Oh, that's lovely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're a real textural delight. Oh, the texture is so good. All right, ask me if I have a now but well. Oh, no, wait, you have a what you snacking. Oh, 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 shit. I also have a what you snacking. Many of our listeners, I think, will be familiar with um, Huang Fei Hong spicy peanuts. They're these, uh, like, Sichuanese mala peanuts that have, like, uh, you know, crispy dried chili bits and Sichuan peppercorns in them. That's not my recommendation this week. My whatcha snacking this week is Lay's potato chips, Huang Fei Hong spicy peanut flavor, which okay. I found at M2M Market. They are so tasty. They're like the kind of zigzag, roughly yeah, format yeah, of yeah. Lay's. And they really nailed the flavor. Like, I don't know if there's like peanut in them, but you can sort of taste. Do you have any? I ate them all. Ugh. Sorry. Okay. Um, but uh, they're a delicious, like spicy, spicy numbing chip that also has... Pretty big chunks of fried dried chilies in the bag, which I found so good. 
Oh, the, the first one I bit into, I was like, what is this? Not realizing it was in there. And then once I re- determined that it was a piece of dried chili, I was like, okay, this is great. That sounds fantastic. And so we can get that at M2M Market here in Seattle. Yeah, look for it. Look for it at uh, any any Asian supermarket that has a good chip and snacks section. I, I assume it's been a pretty popular item. Matthew, do you have a now but wow? I do. It's like we said, it's February now. You all will have heard this song a million times by now. Like even like today, like, you know, I'm not in the first 300 million people to enjoy this song. But uh, I've been playing Kill Bill by SZA nonstop. Has one of the best choruses ever in a song, I think. Absolutely pure, direct into the lizard part of the brain. Like, you know, this this song gets in there. It's it's super fun. <laughs> the whole album is good, but that is by far my favorite track. Excellent. Our producer is Abby Circatella, who really has her work cut out for her. Oh yeah, the, but but she is a hardcore editor <laughs> who who like slices, dices, <laughs> does it once, twice, or thrices. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Believe it or not, my band, Early to the Airport, has a new single called Cornerstones featuring Steph Hackett, who turned in an amazing uh, guest vocal that will probably be out on all of the streaming services by the time you hear this. So the the band is Early to the Airport. The song is Cornerstones. I sing lead vocals, and I think it's a pretty catchy song, and the rest of the EP should be out sometime this year. Awesome. Okay. You can rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. And you can hang out with other uh, uh, spit. What did we call our listeners? We, we came up with a funny, mm. like, like pony pals or something. I don't know. What, what the hell was that? I have Lilies? Lil- like listener? S- <laughs> it was lilies. It was listeners I'd like to yum. <laughs> <laughs> Why did I bring that up again? Wait a minute. Isn't that like Lilities? Uh, listener, well, the two is the two is it's like lowercase, and you like you, to yeah, lil tees. <laughs> okay, it's lil tees, <laughs> or or lil 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 tees. <laughs> you lil Whatever. tees. Just tell them where to find each Everything other. Everything Just go there and hang out. Uh, wow, I thought this was going to be a short episode. <laughs> it was not. Thank you for listening to Spilled Milk. The show that's um, there was appealing. <laughs> there most certainly was appealing. I'm Molly Weisenberg. <laughs> and I'm Matthew Amsterburton. Yeah, don't tell Abby the stuff you were saying about Taylor Swift before this episode. Oh, yeah. Um, definitely we're not recording right now. Nope. Mm-mm. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.